Hi, everybody. Welcome to our uh, the beginning of a series that we're going to put up on our Uproar podcast. Uh, and this is uh, for Motor City Wesley. My name is Carl Gladstone. I serve as the co-producer of Student Goodness with uh, Motor City Wesley. And we've got a couple of uh, amazing expert guests with us tonight to talk a little bit about Shameless, Nadia Boltzweber's uh, book about a new Christian sexual ethic. Um, do you want to introduce yourselves? Why don't we start with our guest, Sarah. Sure. Um, I'm Sarah Alexander. Uh, I am Deacon of Young People's Ministries at Birmingham First. Um, and so that's middle school, high school, and ministry with 20s and 30s. And I am um, Dr. Anna Gladstone. <laughs> I'm a family medicine physician for Crossover Health. So I work for an organization that serves the Amazon Detroit population and any of their dependents for any of their family medicine needs. So we're reading Shameless because our prayer for every student is that you all will be uh, ex having experiences that guide you in the direction of being restored to wholeness, um, uh, experiences that lead to healing, and experiences that reconnect you to a God who loves you for just who you are. And we couldn't think of a better way to really explore the depths of this than with um, the, the content in this book. And we, um, we hope that um, by recording these, putting out the podcast and then putting a, a conversation guide together for the fall, that we'll have some small groups of young adults around the Metro Detroit area on our campuses and local churches that are really gonna be diving into this in a healthy and uh, holy way. There's a number on the bottom of the screen and if, uh, whenever you're watching this, if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas that you would like to see as a part of this conversation, just text them to 313-992-4883 and we'll get those and uh, we'll put them into uh, the, the process of putting the guide together. Tonight, we thought we'd start just with um, a simple question for each of us, which is, why we think it's important to be talking about Christian sexual ethics with young adults uh, and young people. Um, Sarah, do you want to jump jump off yeah. on that one? <clears throat> yeah, I think um, I think it's something that that either we don't talk about um, or we talk about in. Uh, maybe a not so helpful way. So I think some churches just avoid it altogether or churches just ascribe to the purity culture um, because there's not really um, other salad or um, not salad, but I should say less uh, publicized options. Like I'm, there are good um, resources out there, but they're not as sexy or <laughs> as easily available as some of the purity culture kind of um, resources. So I think, um, yeah, so I think either churches don't know what to do with it and know that the purity culture thing like isn't helpful or they just dive right into, um, you know, absolutely no sex before marriage, um, which doesn't, which isn't helpful to young people. Um, so I think a book like this is really um, important and transformational um, in talking about, you know, how does your faith intertwine with 
your sexuality. Thanks. Um, Anna's here is our resident medical expert. Um, she's a doctor. She's not a nurse, ladies and gentlemen. She's a doctor. Yeah. Nurses are great though. No offense to nurses. <laughs> I can't draw blood. You don't want me to draw your blood. Yeah, no, no offense. Anna, when a book like this comes across your um, desk, why do you think it's important to read and talk about, particularly with young people? Um, well, I think that from, well, not necessarily from a medical standpoint, but from an education standpoint in general, and also a parenting standpoint, people are afraid to talk about sex. And then um, kids and teens and young adults find resources elsewhere when they have the internet at their fingertips at all times. And so historically in our country, we've had a puritanical education system when it comes to sex education. And so less is better in those instances. So what kids don't know, they look now, what you had to, once you had to like get the courage up to ask someone else what X, Y, Z means, um, you now have to just look it up in the privacy of your own home on your phone. So you don't have to have that, you don't have that barrier anymore. And so any information is accessible. And so, and so I think if we don't start having these conversations, even though they're hard and awkward, then people will find, young people will find other information that may not necessarily be holy or helpful or loving. And so that's why I think it's important. Yeah, thanks. Uh, for me, I come to these conversations growing out of a, a youth group experience that had <laughs> numerous human sexuality retreat weekends with your parents. And as much as it was <laughs> very cringy that it was my mom running them, <laughs> there was a sense that, oh, my church is not scared about this. They have, a, they're kind of rooted in this idea that God can handle it. And, um, and that there's a, there's a really fruitful way to go forward in kind of talking about this, not to sweep it under the rug or just to have a very, um, kind of binary yes or no kind of way of handling it. So that's the, on the positive side. I just really was glad to be a part of a youth group that, that, that did that. And, um, on the negative side, um, it's just, uh, too many people in my family who have been victims of, uh, violence and sexuality and, uh, too many young people that I know that for whom that's the same experience. And I think that, those um, kind of aberrations having to do with sexuality, uh, they grow out of our, our fear and our unwillingness to kind of pursue a healthy way of talking about it and engaging in our human sexuality. And I just, that breaks my heart every time. And so mm -hmm. um, I wanna get, uh, as much as I can, I wanna help us get ahead of things. So that's kind of where I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we started looking at Shameless in the first couple of sections. There's an invocation and a, and a kind of chapter one. We thought that we'd start just with the things that popped out for us um, in each of those sections. And I uh, would open it up. Who's got uh, 
the thing that's really popping to mind? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> in the invocation, um, I actually listened to this as an audiobook first. Um, and so Nadia Boltzweber pronounces it Megan. Um, and she tells a story of um, a parishioner named Megan and um, how they talk about how there's about this many people that fit into um, this understanding that it says um, in page three, God taught me that, or it, it taught me that God's plan is for everyone to be a heterosexual cisgender Christian who never has sex with anyone until they marry their one true love and make babies and how that is this many people's story. Um, and, uh, she says, if that's God's plan, then God planned poorly. <laughs> and so, um, that was like the first thing that kind of jumped out for me. Um, and then, you know, she kind of goes on on page five and she says, so my argument for this book is we should not become more loyal to an idea, a doctrine or an interpretation of a Bible verse than we are to people. If the teachings of the church are harming the bodies and spirits of people, we should rethink those teachings. And that kind of goes to what you were just saying. Um, I had the privilege of hosting a retreat for my youth that your mom taught. <laughs> and I remember the one thing, you know, as a young adult, I was kind of leading this retreat, but also learning myself, right? Like relearning some things. Um, and I remember a quote that she said was like, the worst thing is not that you'll get pregnant, guys. It's like, there are worse things than getting pregnant. Um, you know, if you are not safe, you can die. <laughs> you can um, really harm your body if you're not safe um, in your sexuality. So she just really preached a, a theology of, um, you know, safe. And, and you know, Nadia Boltzweber goes on to talk about like the definition of, um, I don't know, what does she say? The World, <clears throat> World Health Organization's definition of sexual health is like consent and mutuality. Um, and so I think that goes back to a little bit of what, what you were saying, Carl, about just having that, having the openness to be able to talk about it is kind of like the first step. Yeah. And did the, the World Health Organization stuff pop out for you? Or is that just part of your everyday life anyways? No, I read and read. My mom's from the World Health Organization. <laughs> um, no, I was... I was more struck by the amount of shame that, um, was it Megan, uh, or is it the woman in the first chapter, um, carried along, even though she had let go of some of the beliefs that her upbringing, her, her puritanical upbringing, um, dictated in her life and how she should be. And, and how dangerous that can be for individuals, especially in a time when mental health is such a concern and a rising concern and suicide is in number one or number two um, mm -hmm. cause of death mm -hmm. in teens. And so um, when you're preaching a purity model and then something goes wrong, then, or even if it doesn't, but there's so much guilt and so much shame that that understanding of sex promotes that 
that baggage goes with people for for their whole lives. Mm. So I think it could be dangerous in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of building from the sense of like, what does the world have to teach us about a healthier <laughs> response or engagement with sex and World Health Organization? For me, the, uh, the addition to um, consent and mutuality of concern that mm-hmm. Nadia Boltz Weber suggested um, that if, cause you can get consent in a way that isn't really totally concerned about the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in every uh, sexual experience that we may have, that if we are thinking about how does this um, um, build up the other person, how is it good for uh, the other person? How does it, um, how is it generative to goodness in general? You know, uh, if people are um, looking to have kids or whatever, all the other good things that come along with sexual relationships. Um, if it's focused on the goodness and the concern for others and for goodness, then, um, then we're really headed in the right direction. That was, it felt like a really helpful tool in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, again, she was a fan of having these little, uh, business cards and they said like smart or something. It was like, you know, safe and mutual and whatever the other ones were. And then the, the T was think about it again, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, uh, that was that, that kind of thing is sometimes just a helpful thing. What, do, what do I need to think about in this really weird moment, you know, particularly as a young person, if there are new experiences. Um, and to have concern for others as, as a centerpiece of that weird moment for young mm-hmm. people, it felt really um, empowering somehow. Mm-hmm. I was really glad for that. Yeah, it's not just the absence of harm. Um, it says, you know, for, for sexual flourishing to occur, we must be guided by more than just the absence of no and the absence of harm. And yeah, that really, that was really striking to me also. There's something biblical about um, being willing to get into the messiness of sexual relationships. I mean, it's, the Bible is full of it, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And those would also be good, good Bible stories to kind of get into. Where, where do we see consent here? Okay. Yes. Where do we see concern? Oh, it's not there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Or where do we see neither? Oopsies. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Thanks for joining us. This is a conversation about Shameless uh, by Nadia Boltz Weber. And we're here with Sarah Alexander and Hello. Dr. Anna Stroud Gladstone. Thanks. Hi. Thanks for being here tonight. Um, we're talking about the first two sections and uh, wanted to do another round of uh, what, what stood out for you. Um, so the, the first chapter, right? Um, um, yeah, I think, I think this kind of, so, I mean, a lot of the beginning of this, um, this chapter kind of set up um, this kind of concept around 
um, seeking, like why, you know, like why do we seek out relationships or um, how is, how is sex kind of in competition with the church? Um, so that those parallels were kind of interesting. Um, but I kind of dug in like halfway through the chapter. So if you guys had anything before that, I'm just like, pause. I don't want to like jump into some, some goodies later. If you had some initial stuff, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Definitely like a one, like, let's just walk through play by the rules. So, um, I've actually like quoted this, um, this concept of purity and holiness and how those are like not the same. All like I read this probably like a week ago. Side note, I was like all against this book. I don't really know why, but I think like I had just really, I felt, I feel like I almost like fell into the purity culture about this book, if that makes sense. Like, I was like, oh, okay, Nadia Bolswamer, like, stay in your lane. Like, I love your stuff about, like, substitutionary atonement. Like, that was very transformational to me. Thank you. But, like, like just pump the brakes there, lady. You don't need to go get nasty. I know. And then it's, like, literally this book is saying, like, people are probably going to be pissed about this. Like, and <laughs> at the core, that's, like, that's the problem. <laughs> So I felt like I was like, oh, damn, like, well, you told me. So anyway, so I read this about, I don't know, like last week at some point and this whole understanding of like purity versus holiness. I've already quoted like three times in conversations. And so I just think that's funny how um, just really, really rich. I mean, it's a short read, right? And it's just like such a, a really rich read that it it kind of like can stir in you. Um, and rejuvenate you in, in some ways that like, oh man, these are just like really good little snippets that make you think about your life beyond just sexual relationships. So <clears throat> the first thing that really jumped out at me, um, she said, but no matter how much we strive for purity in our minds, bodies, spirits, and ideologies, purity is not the same as holiness. It's just easier to define what is pure than what is holy. So we pretend that they are interchangeable. And then she kind of goes on a couple pages later and she says purity is most off purity most often leads to pride or to despair not to holiness because holiness is about union with and purity is about separation from and i think anytime we like get into that purity space whether it's sex or it's like our relationship with food or our relationship with work or any, you know our understanding of ordination any of those things can very easily um lead us into like a place of pride um that we understand that like we have it right that we're doing it right um we have the answers and really what we should be striving for is is holiness because that's like union with god's spirit as opposed to purity, which is like separating us from things. It's like an, uh, a more combative kind of understanding of those of those two things. So that was honestly like probably that's the biggest concept that really just stuck with me and and will probably stick stick with me in a lot of different different ways because that's so just yeah, I think I can just get really prideful about things when like I feel like I'm doing it correctly. Like I just get on my high horse. Um, which is not helpful. <laughs> I'm just remembering high school Carl. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was very, yeah, it was me. Hmm. 
guess stay away from those people kind of thing. <laughs> well, I think I, I went, sorry, I went to a, a Christian music festival that was probably like really super purity culture in high school. And they had these like absurd um, bumper stickers. And one of them said that we would just like kind of take them because they were joking. They were like, just like these awful things. And one of them said, premarital sex is like a used car lot. Like, okay, but they were like, so like absurd and just like prideful and us versus them that they were, they were humorous. I mean, it's like, no one can really think like, this is pretty extreme, but people do. Right. And it gets just very toxic and not very holy. Sorry, Anna, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna move, uh, into mine. Uh, but it wasn't at all medical related. I was just reading into the section that she mentions Josh Harris in his book, and I forget the mm. title of it, but like his dating goodbye, yeah, kissing, yeah, kiss dating, dating goodbye, goodbye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I had a memory about that book when I was in medical school. I was like visiting a place where I was going to potentially room with someone, and that book was on the shelf, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to work out." <laughs> Um, but I am pleased to hear that pleased and saddened, I guess, that he has to, that he has found himself in a place where he has to do a, what she called a semi-apology tour. Um, Hmm. but glad that even people who write books like that can grow and learn. Um, and I hope that the church can be better and we're not always apologizing for the shit that we did. Uh, Mm. excuse me. (laughs) stuff we did so Nadia uses mm-hmm. worse language um, <laughs> yeah if you're reading this book you probably are okay with swears once upon a time yeah so hopefully we can get to a place where we're loving people yeah. in a way that doesn't harm them and where you don't have to apologize again for it later yeah. yeah not always constantly backpedaling and saying oops let's try again like she talks about prohibition like man methodists really put all their eggs in one basket with that guy uh man yeah best moment i went to seminary in like the epicenter of the women's temperance movement uh and Mm -hmm. the prohibition movement and it made me in Uh, reading this she differentiates temperance versus prohibition that's true yeah i'm talking about prohibition (laughs) if only it were temperance (laughs) well even even the temperance movement um the the fervor that you know starting with the starting with the idea our men are drinking all of our our their wages before they get home and take care of their family right so it was it started with this like how can we reconnect our families so they're healthier and holier you know Mm -hmm. um but then the fervor happens when we move in that direction of capital T total, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I wondered about why can't we be as um, be as active or passionate in the 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 messy holiness kind of stuff, the reuniting mm-hmm. with folks even if they're not capital T total, and uh, again, kind of in, why does the fervor come with the purity culture stuff. Um, and we have to, you know, we have to go, well, you know, mother Teresa was pretty fervent and got in there and really worked in all the messiness of life 
But we don't have that like, it doesn't feel like we have that kind of movement uh, possibilities. And I guess I, mm -hmm. I would love to see that. You know, maybe, maybe there are moments in a kind of intersectionality, Black Lives Matter, uh, kind of awakening that's been happening that we can see some levels of that. Um, that people really are calling for a kind of a new kind of connection and, and wholeness that doesn't, um, doesn't, isn't blind to the injustice of the world. It's focused on, you know, addressing them and calling them out, but it's also really focused not on just kind of dismissing people, um, but rather on gathering all of those folks together who can make a way toward a, a better way, you know? Yeah, I think it's our, <clears throat> it's our, just our self-serving understanding of pride, right? That's what really gets us. That's why we need Jesus. Like, we just need someone to, like, get us beyond that because we just, as humans, consistently get stuck in that. Yep. We can't get past it. Yeah. Jesus was constantly telling the disciples, you know, don't make a banner about me just go and be with the poor, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, it's, Hey guys, it's not about you. And like, why do you continue to have like trust issues? Like, Hey guys, like, yeah, please go be with the people that you're telling me not to be with. <laughs> take a cue from all these women that have been following me and like, just help you just make it happen. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Well, I wonder as we're, um, uh, you know, encouraging people to look at the book, think, think some thoughts and, you know, uh, come back to us with them. Uh, if you're sitting down in small groups and things, what kinds of uh, questions or suggestions would you leave for folks who are looking at these chapters and trying to think deeply about where we go from here? It's always great to have an edit point. That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah i don't have a ton of other th of other pieces i don't think i think it would be really interesting to give people the space to recognize their own um their own engagement in any of this and i think we named a number of different mm -hmm. ways you know, that we did caught up in purity culture or, you know, um, seeing some examples of something different. Um, and I guess I would, I would kind of leave that with folks take, you know, get out the old journals, the old diaries <laughs> <laughs> and, um, try to remember where you have been, you know, as a, as a younger person, um, where are you coming from? That might give you a better sense of what to be listening for in these chapters and, and in some others as we move toward, um, you know, a kind of a grown up biblical Christian sexual ethic um, that's a little more honest about how messy it might be, but is also more honest about the, the beauty that it could bring. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think reflect on, you know, like what, what did, what did the church teach you and what, you know, what would have been helpful to hear from the church? Um, cause I think, you know, those, 
those pieces are what, what will continue to change this culture. Um, having some of those conversations and reflecting on, you know, what would have been helpful, what was harmful. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, even like it was harmful that we didn't talk about it. Right. Um, I think some churches do need to hear that. So yeah, just ref I think to reflect on, on where you've, where you've come and, um, and where you hope that the, you will help the, the church lead the church to. Doctor? I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> I concur. Well, thanks everybody for uh, listening. Thanks to, for sharing y'all and um, text your questions or suggestions or thoughts that you might have 313-992-4883 uh, and watch for these uh, study guides to be coming out at motorcitywesley.org uh, in the fall. Um, we can help you find a group of people to talk about this with. If you're um, in, in need of that, or if you've got a group and um, it seems like this would be good for them to, to talk about, uh, get in touch and we'll uh, make sure that you can do that in a, in a good way. Uh, and with that, we just pray that you, uh, pray that you are restored to wholeness and healthiness and uh, into a deepening relationship with God who loves you just as you are. Mm, amen. Peace, friends.